Okay, Bay. Well, look, I've got to thank you for inviting me onto your show. I think, um, you know, it's been a couple of weeks that we've been trying to get this together. Um, for me at the moment, I'm in Cape Town, South Africa. Hello, and welcome to Obehi Podcast. I'm your host, Obehi Ewanfo, and I strongly believe that everyone has a story to share. Now, let's get started with this episode. We, um, we've got a couple of clients down here, but we also work internationally. Um, I was in Canada a couple of weeks ago, and before that I was in um, you know, Cancun, Mexico, where the weather was beautiful. But um, we are privileged enough to work with people all over the world. So um, you know, we do tend to go where, um, you know, where our customers and where our expertise are needed. But um, at the end of the day, right now I'm in Cape Town, and who knows, by the end of the week, you know, I'm, I might be um, in Australia again, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But look, a little bit about me. Um, yeah, I, I studied. Uh, obviously, finished high school in Johannesburg. Um, I'm not sure I was in the same school as Elon Musk, but um, you know, I'd like to claim that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but um, look, it, it, it was pretty cool. I left. Uh, I, I left school because I was. Uh, I went to school a year early, so I was always the the young one in the grade. Um, I left high school and I went and studied chemical engineering. And um, you know, for me, with chemical engineering, it wasn't really one of my strong suits in school or mathematics and physics and all that kind of stuff. But what it really, uh, what I found over the years, what it really helped me do is um, help me with logical thinking, problem solving, you know, um, looking for looking for better ways of doing things. And um, you know, once I finished my chemical engineering degree, I moved on to, you know, in South Africa. Um, I don't know if people are aware, but uh, the unemployment rate is 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 sky high. So, you know, just to just to say that you're going to go to university or go study, you know, engineering doesn't mean that you're going to get a job afterwards. So um, I was lucky enough to, you know, do my thesis on distillation columns um, at, a, at a big petrochemical plant in, um, in South Africa, in Johannesburg. And then, yeah, after about a year and a half there, I decided that I don't like working with a plant where there's no roof over it. Um, it gets a little bit cold in the winter. So um, I had an opportunity to join the breweries in South Africa. So, um, you know, I moved to moved further into Johannesburg, started at the breweries at the, uh, as an operator level. Um, so, yeah, as a chemical engineer, that was quite a, you know, bit of a, an interesting step for me. But um, it's something I really wanted because, I mean, which, you know, which person or which guy in the world wouldn't want to work at a brewery, you know, the, the charmed life. So, look, I was working for SA Breweries, SAB Miller at the time, and um, I was in a place called Kruger's Dorp. Um, and then I started, you know, I, I've always had a lot of ambition. Um, but look, I was very green, you know, very um, wet behind the ears, if you want to say it like that, and not always too willing to listen. So um, yeah, it took me a while to to realize, you know, once I applied for a team leader position there, that um, you know, I probably need to pull back a little bit and and um, explore my own values, my own, you know, where do I want to be. Um, and an opportunity came up at the, at the biggest brewery in the Southern Hemisphere for me to become a team leader. 
And, um, you know, as I walked in there, basically, you know, thinking that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm awesome and I'm now a leader. Um, yeah, that, that came crashing down very quickly once I realized that, uh, you know, there's a lot expected from leaders. And this is, you know, one thing that I've learned over the years and I like talking to people about it is, you know, just because you're in the leadership position doesn't mean that you're a great leader. It just means that you were good at what you did before. You know, a lot of, um, and that's not, that doesn't count for everyone, but in most cases, you know, people get promoted from internally or externally because of a great resume or stuff that they've done and they've saved the company some money and all of a sudden the company decide, hey, this guy would make a good leader. And then they move him into a leadership position or her into a leadership position. And then you realize, um, you know, after a few weeks or months that, uh, yeah, we really didn't set this person up for success. So, you know, internal leadership programs, external leadership programs um, with our company, that's what we focus on quite a lot. Um, and a lot of it comes from my own personal experience because, you know, there's, there's all this, we, we like to call it school fees. You know, um, you got to pay your school fees before you get to, to the part where, where you can actually start enjoying what you're doing. And then once you start enjoying it, what you're doing, then then you realize, shit, there's, there's more stuff that I don't know. And then, um, you know, it's a question of just asking, moving forward, you know, but having that, I don't know, for me, always it's been having the guts to actually ask those stupid questions. So, you know, not be, not be worried about what people are going to say, um, but more worry about the outcome and defining the problem properly. So, um, yeah, I worked there for, you know, four and a half years or whatever. And then one day I got a call from a brewery in Australia, in Sydney, asking me if I wanted a job. And I was like, well, where is Sydney in the first place? Let's go have a look on the map. <laughs> I had a wife and two very small children at the time. Um, and the offer was just at such a time that I was, at, at a stage where I was like looking for, you know, looking for my next adventure, basically. So, um, you know, accepted the offer. Um, two months later, they put us on a, on a plane and flew us to Sydney and had to start all over again. But this time, you know, the same thing happens. You, you know, and this is how we base our, um, you know, our, our teachings on with, with my company is the fact that, you know, you walk in, you, you, you're the man, you're the person that, that they wanted for the job. And then, you know, within, within hours, within weeks, within days, you realize, oh my, how, what did I get myself into? So, and that's, this is something that, you know, I've, I've taken with me for, you know, up till, up till now, and I will always have it with me is that, you know, everyone that works with you or with, you know, like you say, everyone has a story to share. Everyone's going through something, but, um, you know, when you hit that part where you go, okay, I'm not the hero anymore. I've taken a dip. I, I've got no idea what I'm doing. My capability is very high, but my experience is zero. Then, um, you, you know, a lot depends on your leadership, what they do with you and how they, how they support you through that stage. So that you can get to the point where you feel good about yourself again and you feel good about what you do and you can you can motivate that and move forward. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm taking the long way around here, but uh, I worked for the breweries for a while. Um, not, not another thing said when I was in South Africa, I had 
quite a lot of exposure through the breweries um, to lean manufacturing and lean six sigma uh, methodologies and um, part of the reason why i ended up in sydney was the fact that um, they wanted to start implementing lean six sigma and i met a guy called ethel nelson who is still one of my favorite people to deal with he's very consistent very clear with objectives and um, you know he's a, he's a very good leader in my in my opinion and um, when I got to Sydney, I, you know, got to spend a lot of time with him, learn a lot about, you know, business ethics, a lot of um, process streamlining, a lot of problem solving. And, um, you know, from being a, a supervisor, basically, I, I, I moved up into a more senior leadership position and, you know, enjoyed every second of it. I, you know, got into training with, um, with, the Lean Six Sigma part of it, improvement, the uh, business scaling, you know, business improvement around, um, you know, problem solving and root cause analysis. And then, um, yeah, had a couple of goes at different places, different, um, you know, bigger organizations and, um, you know, just honed my skills from there. So I always say to people that, you know, when I, once I've moved over to Australia, basically opened my eyes to see you know, for the first time, you know, you travel around in Africa and you see, yep, the cultures are different and everything else. But, you know, walking into a place like Sydney, Australia, and, um, you know, you think you know what you're doing. Meantime, um, you know, two days later, you get called into the brewing manager's office and he goes, uh, what the hell are you doing, Rian? You're not, <laughs> you're not here to change things, you know, you're here to make it work. So, um you know, a lot of a lot of soul searching, a lot of effort going into, you know, um, what have I done wrong? What what do I need to do? How do I get my people to respect me? You know, in a different culture, different place, um, and you know, a lot of learnings for myself. But you know, the the fact that we're talking about business leadership is, you know, for me over the years has become a lot about, you know, being willing to not know everything. And acknowledging the fact that, you know, I might be an expert in what I do, but I definitely don't know everything. So asking questions, you know, um, one of a, a good friend of mine, Daryl Wilburn, said the one time to me that a good coach asks a lot of questions. And um, it's amazing when you go around different businesses, as I have now, we've dealt with a lot of different businesses and a lot of different industries. And you, you realize how few questions people actually ask, specifically the leaders. And, um, you know, that starts becoming a, a, a bit of a theme. So when we go into a business, um, you know, we, we start off with an assessment. You know, we, we take a walk around the site, the business, uh, we dig a little into it and we see what's, what's people's capabilities of, the, especially the leaders' capabilities of asking people what, what is it that they need? What is it that they want? What's the resources required to set them up for success? And then start planning and defining the actual issues that they are. So, um, yeah, that's that's a bit about me. I mean, at the moment, I, you know, about five years ago, I decided that, um, look, I, I trust my skills enough to go out on my own. And yes, um, over here, as we spoke earlier, that's uh, it's probably the the scariest day of my life. You know, once they, once you say goodbye to that paycheck that um, you're used to getting into your account, which is, you know, you go, 
well, what do I do now? There's, there's not a lot of options, but um, now I have to make this work. And you know what? I think on, uh, on The Office, there's an episode about the fear, you know, that they talk about. You've got to have that fear in you to succeed. And that fear eventually turns into love. And, you know, you, you start loving and enjoying what you're doing, especially when you achieve through others. And you can see the people growing and, you know, taking on advice and taking on, you know, the coaching and stuff that we do. And they start, they start using what they've learned at work, at home. And they come back and they tell me success stories of, hey, I've taught my kids about 5S. And I'm like, yeah, how successful was that, mate? And they go, oh, no, it's great. This morning I still had to pick up everything, but at least they said to me they've, they've sorted it out into different bundles. You know what I mean? So um, I've had the privilege of being part of real change, you know, sustainable change. People that, people that get it, that leaders that understand that as long as they drive change, it will be successful. But as soon as what they give up and they take their, their foot off the pedal, then things will start imploding. And then... You know, it's a question of what do we do then? So, um, yeah, it's been it's been quite a ride for me. I've been I've, I've enjoyed every second of it. Obviously, not um, you know sometimes while crying and asking myself what am I doing. But um, look, there's we've we've grown our company, um, especially through COVID. Um, you know, it was it's still a very challenging time out there. A lot of companies, you know, that came back to us and said, look. Let's just calm down a little bit with our efforts because of the budgetary situation and all that kind of stuff. But um, it's amazing how many industries or how many businesses realize that as soon as what the going gets tough, that's when you need to start investing. Don't, you know, don't wait for things to start, you know, don't wait for that ship to start sailing properly before you start training up people and getting ready for the next step. It's when that ship is out of control and the mast is broken and everyone wants to jump overboard is when your true leaders stand up and they give you direction. They set the pace, they set the tone, and they set the direction for that ship to sail to. That you realize, okay, well, these are the people that I want to bond with and these are the people that are really going to take us to the next level. Thank you so much for that, Dara. That is so important. Your story is so fascinating, you know. Of course, we're only going to be uh, peeling one layer after the other because you really have set the background of who you are. <clears throat> it's not just that you are teaching leadership, but you have lived it. You are basically teaching your experience. And I think this is the most valuable in, in all of it. And yes. Particularly, maybe when you look at look around today in different businesses and also even in political uh, sphere, because looking at maybe our continent, where we are coming from, yeah, we do have a huge problem of leadership in Africa. So at the point, I started uh, an, an, a series which uh, I've suspended for some time now because I sort of merged everything together so that we talk about uh, leadership now more like from point of view of business, but also from the point of view of politics. We still have a lot to do in area of leadership. So I find it very interesting that we are putting, we are taking the argument today. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's great. Um, for me, there's a lot to say about leadership in general. You know, across the world these days, and um, you know, for me, a, a good leader is, um, you know, they 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 listen to their people, but they try and understand what the what the real issue is. I think Einstein said, you know, spend 95% of your your time defining the problem, defining what you're actually working on, and the rest will be easy. The other 
5%, solving the problem will be easy. We always say to people, you know, it's like, it's a question of, um, you know, we, we travel all over the place. Um, the chances of you coming up with a unique solution that no one has thought about across the whole globe is probably like, you know, 0.01%. People in different industries, different, you know, um, places, different uh, organizations have experienced the same exact problem you have. It's just a question of going out there and finding out what did they do about it, you know, what resources were allocated, what was the, you know, how similar was the problem that we were, that, that we were experiencing. But I think today, you know, and you, uh, I, I, don't, I don't want to get into politics, but you look please at... Please go, please go. We need it. We need it. <laughs> you, look at, you look at world leaders and you go, listen, this is not the first time this has happened. This is like, you know, even COVID, you go... This is not the first time this has happened. So what did we learn out of the previous previous experience? Um, you know, pull people together that's that's gone through the same thing. You know, the war in the Ukraine, the whole Russia thing. It's like this is not the first time these things have happened. And if you if you look at, you know, Africa as a continent, there's been wars all over the place. There's been, you know, um, you know, famine. There's been all kinds of stuff that happens. And Surely someone somewhere has done a case study on how that happened, how that started, and the next time this happens, here's a few examples of how we can, you know, work our way through it without maximum, you know, blowing up the world's economy and, um, you know, having generations of our children having to pay debt that, um, you know, was established because of poor management. So... You know, for me, a good leader is always someone that has the the fortitude to acknowledge that they've made a mistake. Um, they don't know what they're doing right now, but they're willing to learn and they wanna they wanna incorporate people's ideas to get to that next level. Um, I think we've seen some really you know strong behaviors across the world, specifically through COVID that. Um, you know, it's not necessarily above the line behaviors. If you want to talk about, you know, above the line and below the line behaviors and what what motivates people and what gets them on board. Um, so, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing without, you know, spreading the whole world, um, you know, into this whole thing. But leadership, um, to me, is, a, is, is crucial because my experiences from what I've had, and I've had... I'm, 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 I count myself as one of the lucky ones. You know, I, I walk into a room of 30 operators and I can relate to them. I've, I worked shifts for 11 years of my life. I've worked, you know, all kinds of shift patterns. I know how it feels to be away from your family, you know, on New Year's Eve and Christmas Day and starting up a brewery and then having to call out for help, um, you know, on, as the clock struck 12 and people are celebrating outside. You know, so that immediately gives me an in with people where, you know, when I'm in a training situation like that, but also asking them, you know, you know, how's things changed? What have you guys done to, you know, um, to move on to that next step and what support do you guys need? I think that's, um, you know, a very important thing for me with leaders these days is not to listen to just, um, just to give an answer. You don't have to know everything. That's the main thing. It's like the day you know everything is the day you need to move on. The day you really need to go look for something else. <laughs>
you know, my father's name is L14. Obey oh, yeah? L14. Okay. You know, the meaning of L14 in my language, Esa, which is the south of Nigeria, meaning that you don't know everything. You can't know everything. It's meaning it's just a process, actually, if you, if you expand on it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so thank you for that. But Obey, it's 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 amazing how many people don't know that. They think they 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 you know they've been promoted or they've applied for a position and now they're in this leadership position, and they think that they now they the you know they the ship's captain and they have to know where to go and all that kind of stuff. But in my experience, the best leaders that I've had you know over the years are the ones that know which questions to ask. And they're not afraid to ask them. They they will get the right amount of people around them. They will get advisors. You know this. Yeah, there's a quote of you know um, Apple. What what's what's his name? Um, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Yeah. Look, I, I don't like referring to him because I think a lot of quotes and you know all of these motivational quotes that you see with a photo of Steve Jobs. I think about 90% of those didn't even happen. But um, a lot of it's been, you know, proven that, okay, you might have said something in that regard or whatever. But the one thing that I do agree with whoever came up with that quote is, why do we hire clever people just so that we can tell clever people what to do? It's like, um, you know, one of my <laughs> biggest, one of my biggest pet peeves in the world, and I've actually had the opportunity of working with these people, is you know, you, 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 you go into a manufacturing facility and you've, you've got a guy running a mixer. The, the guy running the mixer is an excellent person. He's a, he's a, he's a person from India. You might as well, you know, you, he worked his way over to Australia. He's earning, you know, $50 an hour mixing flavors and fragrances or whatever. But at the end of the day, once you start getting to know that person, they are qualified mathematician. They've, they've, you know, they've done physics up to a level that, you know, I have never seen in my life. But here, this guy is standing, you know, throwing powders into a blender. So, when it comes to waste and to, you know, and and the fact that, you know, we've got people around us that definitely know more than us. How do we tap into those, you know, those fields of expertise without, you know? Um, getting rid of, obviously, someone has to mix the powders into the, the blender. But getting people on board and wanting to participate and wanting to be part of the solution rather than the problem. So, um, you know, when you, when you, when you travel, like, like I've done a, a bit of, I tend to meet the same people, they just look a little bit different. You know, some people, I've, I've said to people in Australia, your twin lives in Johannesburg and he looks exactly like you. He's got your same voice, your same attitude, everything else. Um, and it's interesting to see how these people then bring out their own personal, you know, um, their responsibilities, their own personal way of doing things, and then how they learn and how they progress to that next step. So, yeah, we, we focus a lot on waste and um, streamlining processes because, and roles, you know, it's like, uh, it's amazing. I, I sorry, I digress a little bit, but it's amazing how many people are out there working, you know, in a situation, but they cannot articulate to you what their actual role is and what the goal is that they're trying to achieve. So, All right. related to that, Ryan. Yeah. What is your own style of leadership? 
Say maybe, for example, you have this individual now uh, as uh, uh, one of your employees, somebody that you are managing. And of course, I know that you want output, you want a result, you want a, a good result, also an efficient result. Yes. Now, tell me how you go about it, applying your own style of leadership. So very, very interesting question, mate. I've, I think I've got a few, um, you know, scars on my back with, um, you know, knives that I had to pull out and all that kind of stuff. But my own personal style is, um, you know, it, it gets perceived as, okay, let me put it this way. I'm a six foot four South African. I weigh 115 kilograms. I like going to the gym three times a week. Um, you know, so I walk into a room and people immediately assume that I'm a, you know, I'm a beast. I've got a, you know, <laughs> guys puff up, you know, they, they, they get on their back foot. You know, the ladies in the, in the, in the audience might go, okay, no, we, you know, here's just another arrogant, um, you know, male, you know, that that's going to tell us what to do. Um, but I want to tell you an interesting story. So, um, I lived in Coleroy, a place in um, Sydney, right on the beach, you know, beautiful views, everything. There was a golf course just down the road that you could walk past. It's like this little, um, it's just this five kilometer track that we did every day. And the one day my uh, wife and I, we walked past and um, what seemed to be a veggie shop, like a whole, you know, <laughs> a whole thing of vegetables that um, after a bit of a storm washed out onto the beach. And I was playing a little bit. I like to investigate. I like to see what, you know, try and figure out what happened. Um, and I found a watermelon, probably the, the size of my head, like this big. And um, I said to my wife, look, this, this looks fresh. I mean, I'm not going to leave it here. I'm going to take the watermelon and ex some extra exercise. It's probably about five kilograms. I'm going to carry it for this five kilometers that we take a walk for. So I picked up the watermelon and you wouldn't believe that this track is so busy with people exercising and stuff. And I've done this track probably about 200 times up, up to that stage. And um, the first time that I'm walking with a watermelon and every single person that walked past looking at you. <laughs> is smiling at me, they're saying hello, they're talking. And for Australians, that's a big deal, mate. They don't talk to you. They like to have their earphones in and they like to focus where they are. So, and uh, my wife and I started realizing this is a bit funny because the guys aren't puffing up, you know, they're not, they're not doing their usual thing, like looking me in the eye and, you know, the big challenge. They were actually laughing and asking me about the watermelon. So we call it now, you know, for me and uh, we, we call it the watermelon effect. So, you know, I walk into a room now and I, I immediately try and disarm myself, you know, focus on my, you know, my inability to do any, uh, something with, with regards to what we're doing. Start asking questions, you know, introduce myself in a, in a softer way, um, you know, and then start allowing people to get to know me that's that's something that i've learned over the years if you don't allow people to to come to you and have a chat and you know you're not going to pounce on them immediately and go well what did you do wrong why is it like this um you know that's something that i learned about myself a long time ago is you got to be open to people to actually get to know you because otherwise you know how am i going to bring these people along for the ride and for the improvements that i'm going to expect of them and, you know, are they going to call me when they're in, in, in uh, you know, in a problem situation? Are they going to ask for help? 
So, you know, there's my, my style at the moment, you know, I'm very, I'm very much, I, I like to flex. I like to take people in different situations as individuals and see where they're at in their personal journey. Because for us, or for me especially, you gotta, you got to realize that there's two parts to this, to a business. Yeah, there's the results that they get, and then there's the how do they get to those results. And if we have the wrong behaviors or the you know negative behaviors pushing those results, it's not going to be sustainable, you know, forever. And that's where it quickly falls apart, and people go, "Well, this thing doesn't work. Lean Six Sigma is outdated, and all that kind of stuff." It's like, yeah, but how hard did you support it, and how hard did you drive it, and how much of that did you make clear to your people what the goals are, what their roles are in improving it, and you know, how much did you focus on where specific people's, people are in their specific journey? Like, you know, you get your people that's been there for, for 10 years. They like hiding away in the kitchen, having a coffee. Um, you get your new guys that come in. They're like a whirlwind, you know, like Hurricane Hilda that comes through and just destroys everything. Um, you get your, you know, your leaders that are democratic. You know, you get your coaches. You get your servant-style leaders. Um, but I think at the end of the day, for me, you know, my style needs to be able to flex to what I'm working with. And if I'm not able to flex to that, then I need to figure out what is it that I need to do to get these people to understand where I'm coming from and how, how to make this a success. So, yeah, I mean, my own personal style, you know, I've been, I've been called the, the silent assassin, the the giant that, um, you know, the, the gentle giant, all that kind of stuff. But for me, you know, especially these days, you know, you learn as you get older. That's, that, that's, that's hopefully one thing that, that I've done right. Um, but you've got to be open to those learnings and from different people. So, you know, it's important to learn from the right people in the first place. Um, you know, you don't want to learn from someone who's got a, you know, plate on his desk to say, who, who are we crushing next? Um, and you'll be amazed. You'd be amazed, mate. I've, I've cleaned out a lot of offices and a lot of space. And, um, you know, the, the pace and tone and direction that a leader sets from the top to the bottom determines everything in an organization. And the tolerance that those leaders have for, I can say, you know, cow poop in a nice way, um, is going to determine how efficient and how good they are at executing their tasks. So if a leader is going to, you know, expect something from someone and not the same from someone else, you're not setting that person up for success. You've got double standards, you're falling apart, you need to go look at yourself. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, if you're willing to listen to people, you're willing to find common ground, you're willing to, you know, explore their um, suggestions, because a lot of the time these people's have, people have been at a place for a lot longer than the leader. You know, it's not, it's not about the flavor of the day, it's about how do we get together to the next phase. And for me, it's important that leaders understand that Yes, they are there for a reason. Yes, they are awesome. Yes, they are great at what they do. But a leader is nothing without a team. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you're going to just go on your own mission and you're going to leave your team behind, you're going to struggle. 
But if you've got the, you know, the inelegance in your approach to ask questions, you know, be willing to be that guy or that person that says, hey, have any of you guys ever experienced anything like this? Let's build on your ideas. Let's do that. The leader is there to drive, to support, and to provide the time for these guys and for your teams to actually get to the improvements that's necessary in the business. So, you know, leadership styles, there's a lot of them. I've been asked in the past, you know, um, you know, when it comes to introverts and extroverts, who makes the best leader? My, my answer is always the one that's willing to take the risk um, and the one that's willing to listen to their people. Because it doesn't matter if you're introverted or extroverted. It's a question of how do you deal with your team? Who's got all these different personalities and different, you know, um, they've got... They've got so much to bring to the table. Like you say, everyone has a story to share. But are you, are you willing to listen to those stories? Are you willing to take the time and effort to go sit with your people and actually understand their way of thinking? You know, what's happening in their personal life? What's happening, you know, with their car? Are they driving a Ford that, you know, messes oil all over the place? Or, you know... Um, the kids, you know, it's 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 such a big part. People say you've got to you've got to separate your work from your life balance and all that kind of stuff. I want to say I want to say in general that's not possible. Your, <laughs> life, your life influences your work, and your work influences your life. It's as simple as that. But as long as you work to live and you don't live to work, I think um, you know you're on the right track. All right. That is very important, particularly also when in the world that we live in today, where everything is actually interwoven. You know, the land that is separating the work from family is now very thin. Uh, because everything now, in most people, you now work very close to your family. So yeah. it's important that we, we try to um, we try to understand the relationship between the two that is not really that it's not really like that. It is like this. <laughs> exactly. All right. Now, another thing, my curiosity I have is is it possible that all leadership, irrespective of the style that you take to achieve your objective, that sometimes, oh, I don't know if it is sometimes, they're actually looking for the same objective at the end of the day, taste of result and the output? Can you say anything about that? So, um, Abey, it's interesting that you ask because um, we, we're currently in a situation with one of our clients where, you know, um, people like doing work. People like looking busy. You know, um, at the brewery, we used to say, mate, if you want if you want people to leave you alone, grab a clipboard and walk fast. Because, um, you know, those are the people that really do not want to be, you know, interrupted. They look very busy. They feel very important, but nothing really gets done. Um, and this is for me, again, you know, um, what do they say? A fish rots from the head, you know, all those little sayings or whatever. But if your leadership and your, your main leader at the top is not good at setting a vision, you know, is not, not good at setting goals, roles, procedures, then you are going to struggle. Um, because, you know, work is one thing. You, you want to get your output as high as possible and you want to, you know, get everyone as efficient as possible. But um, if they don't know where they're going, if they don't know what their goal is, what their target is, um, you know, which members of their team, what their strengths are, you are going to battle. You might get there at the end of the day, but it's going to take you so much longer than what it should. Um, I always like to use the analogy of uh, of sports. I mean, what what's your favorite sport, Abey? Uh, well, I watch football when when the nations are playing. 
this time for <laughs> yeah <laughs> because but, of the love of my cold trip but it, it is of support i'm not very sporty as a person you know okay i do have sporty body as a twin because okay, yeah, yeah. I, I move I was, a lot no. i was gonna say you're a weightlifting champion <laughs> not at all <laughs> So, I mean, for me, the important thing is um, I always like, look, I, I'm a very sociable person. I like talking to people. I like getting to know them, um, especially on a different level, um, because I think there's a lot to say for what people are currently going through, what they've been through and how they've got, gotten through it. But for me, sports is such a good analogy. It's like, um, you know, we put, you know, what we what we do with our with, with our um, consulting business and with our e-learning side of the business, we like to focus on, you know, do you have a vision for your team? Do you have a mission for your team? Um, next up is, you know, what's my goals? And all the people in the team, do they understand their roles? But have you actually spelled it out to them? Like you, you look at a, at a, let's say, a football match, yeah? You've got players, I don't know, you've got 11 players on the field. They've all got different roles to play. You've got a goalie that's, you know, he's he's at the back there stressing by himself, you know. <laughs> Hopefully he's got long arms and big gloves. But it's like even ice hockey, you know, you can, you can take any sport out there. If you take away the rules of that game, will it still be called sports or will it still be called soccer? Will it still be called football? Or would it just be called random people running around trying to kick someone or a ball into a hole? You know what I mean? So, it so, would not even work. I think I don't exactly. think it will work. <laughs> it's not gonna work. So why why is there so many organizations out there that's trying to play a sport with no rules? It's um it truly is incredible to me when we walk into a situation. Um, you know, we we deal with a lot of big clients, a lot of hospitality, a lot of manufacturing, um, and you walk in and you ask people, so what is your goals for today? What's your goals in six months' time? What's your goals that you're trying to achieve for this year? And how are you going to justify your increase, your improvement, everything else? And it truly is mind-boggling how many people can cannot tell you what their goals are and what their relationship to those goals are. So what we do, part of what we do is, you know, we take the business apart. We look at the group of people that we're dealing with, which could be one department or it could be a million. Um, myself, I look, I, I spend a lot of time with um, human resources because I think, you know, it's a very underrated department. And a lot of people, you know, discount human resources at the end of the day because they, I think it's just people sitting in an office and they're just going to get us more people. Um, at the end of the day, those people are responsible for the culture of an organization. And the culture of the organization starts with the leader. But if you don't put any rules to the game and you don't say, okay, well, you know, for you, you have got to achieve, you know, let's say output efficiency of 95% and whatever by this date. And this is how we're going to do it. We're going to give you some rules. We're going to give you some, some structure. We're going to give you support. We're going to start a, um, a you know, a task force that's going to help you. You know, if you don't do those things, you're not setting anyone up for success. And then the, and the, the main thing is you're not setting the whole business up for success. So you've got this big beast that you want to run, but the beast doesn't know if he's allowed to go on the beach or the grass or, you know, what's the rules. 
So we put a lot of service level agreements in, in between people, um, not, not just people, but in between departments. You know, what's your expectations from each other? People like to have a whinge about, you know, the next department doesn't do their job, you know, customer service doesn't do their job, you know, manufacturing is always late, supply chain is late because of China and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, did we go sit down and explain to them the reason why we need certain things at a certain time? Do they understand our background? Do they understand what we do? And do we then get together and say, hey, you, you've done well on these things, you haven't done so well on these things, so let's work on these things, but let's work on it together. Um, so, you know, a good leader for me is someone that can put structure to a business, someone that can, you know, go out there, play by the rules, make it fun. You know, um, people think that once we come in and we put rules in place and, you know, service level agreements and visual performance management and 5S and all that kind of stuff that, Work isn't going to be fun anymore. Now, yeah. say you set this rule because, like you said, in the case of sports, no, take with soccer, tennis, whatever it is. If yeah. you take away the rules, that is the end of the game. You cannot play. You cannot go. You, cannot, you only have a set of people that are in confusion. Well, what, what am I paying to see? <laughs> I mean, am I, am I paying to see? You know, it's like you know. I don't know if you uh, you've probably seen you know like kids when they start playing soccer, and it's like. You go to an under fours or under fives game and, you know, everywhere the ball is, that's where the kids are. So they all run. And then you start, I mean, I coached my, my son's cricket team for five years and I've had the privilege of seeing little boys grow up into, into men. And it's, it really is, um, you know, it makes your heart warm when you see these, these little boys. You teach them to come shake your hand before the game, you know, teach them to be nice to the opponents. Um, you know, have a bit of attitude, but have some respect too. Um, but yeah, what, it's a cricket game because there's cricket stuff that happens. You know, there's rules, there's there's things that we have to do. But how many workplaces operate like that? You know, you walk in and you ask the guy, you know, let's say that's in an office, he's, he's a doctor, let's say in a, in a medical institution, which we've had the privilege of working in too. And you ask the doctor, so what's your what's your goal today? And the doctor is just ah, just to get through the day, just to do some operations, and at the end of the day, you know, hopefully everything goes well. Mm-hmm. That's when <laughs> no you explain because if that's your doctor, you you want to make sure he knows what he's doing. <laughs> sure. It's the it's the guys that you walk in and they go, look, there's my goals on the wall. I'm not scared to display them. I'm not scared to talk about them because we don't work at the FBI. Unless you do work at the FBI, which we've done some work with too, and the CIA, then obviously there's certain things that needs to be kept secret. But at the end of the day, what we do is we we make the business performance, you know, everyone's knowledge, greater knowledge. The more knowledge for, for everyone in the business that knows either the business is doing good or the business is not achieving its objectives, then we start looking at, okay, well, how do we get to these objectives and how do we get through them? with our people that, you know, are there. And then individually, what do we need to speak to people about? How do we need to, um, you know, um, how can we say, how do we need to develop them? And then also, you know, what's our strengths? What's our weaknesses? How do we use our weaknesses to our advantage? I mean, I, I watched the documentary on the NBA the other day, and one of the players, you know, was like five foot two, 
And uh, Michael Jordan hated this guy because he was so short. Until he showed Michael Jordan up on court, then they became the best friend, you know, best friends. So it's using those little nuances and the, and the the strengths of people to to drive it forward, play by the rules, you know, but learn the rules. That's that's another important thing for me. It's like um, you cannot play the game if you if you do not know the rules, and you can't bend the rules if you don't don't know which ones you can bend. So um, you know, it's it's always important. But but, but when maybe for example in the business that you are managing or you are. Uh, performing a leadership role, yeah. there are the rules, and the people don't want to obey the rules, or maybe for some reason the rules are not obeyed. What happened? So, look, my my first opinion is, um, and this is, <laughs> I don't know, some people still talk about the stick and the carrot, but go back to your team and figure out why they don't want to play by the rules. Is there a reason for it? Because I've I've actually been in problem solving um, situations where we've been there for hours. And, you know, then you realize you've either got the wrong problem statement or people don't understand the problem. Or at the end of the day, you know, you do the problem solving and you ask the people, so what is your problem with this rule? Why do you not want to play the game? And they get into the situation where they start explaining to you, well, you know, first of all, what you want us to do is not actually possible. Um, or we have to go through three different steps now to get to that point. It's not efficient. So, again, you know, the leader might think, you know, he's there or she's there for a reason, and that's to drive and to set the tone and pace. But at the end of the day, if we can't play by the rules, then change the rules or make them more accessible and more exciting for people on, in the business so they can actually achieve what they need to. Because when people achieve what they need to, then they start feeling more positive and they want to grow and they want to move forward and they start trusting the leader. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot to say for that. And it's, it's pretty interesting obeying when you start talking about customers to people. I always, I always have a bit of a chuckle to myself because um, you ask someone working, you know, in, um, I don't know, let's say you, you're making butter, you know, you're working in a butter factory. Uh, you ask people, hey, so who's your customer? And the guy that's bringing in the milk or whatever would say, hey, it's the guy going into the shop buying, you know, buying our product. And that's where fundamentally people start getting it wrong from the start. Like my customer is not the guy at the end of the at the end of the supply chain. My customer is the guy that's going to take over from me take that product and then do something with it to hand it over to his internal customer. And this thing that we say, you know, the customer's always right, it's it's the truth. But your in, internal customer knows what they want, what it's supposed to be like, and they are your true customer. If you can satisfy your internal customer, your external customer is absolutely going to be delighted. And it's, you know, up to marketing and up to sales and those guys to understand what it is that the customer wants, the end customer, because that's the only person or the only, you know, the only entity that can describe to you exactly what it is that they want. But is there, is there a reason why maybe, based on your experience, of course, in, in, within the business area, why some businesses might make this uh, confusion or not able to identify who is actually their real customer, who is actually the re-target of their, their goods and services? 
Well, and that's a, that's a, you, you'd be amazed how much time people spend spinning their wheels. They, um, you know, they think they know their customer. Um, they think they know what the customer wants, and then they make the product. And at the end of the day, the customer goes, "I'm, I'm not interested. It's not good enough." Um, we've done some research, and at the end of the day, you know, every single well, in on average, companies out there, their feedback is that the customer service and that customer gratification is on average at 80%. Um, then we've done some research with their customers and it comes back that only between 8 and 10% of those customers are actually happy with their service and with the products that they're getting from the from their manufacturer or from their, their service. So there's a big you know, discrepancy because between what we think we're giving our customer and what the customer actually wants. But you know, these days, you know, it's so accessible. You go online, you go on Google and you do a review. And it's usually, it's usually angry people who go and make um, reviews. Yeah. <laughs> it takes me a lot to go and go to a good restaurant and then go immediately on my phone. Hey, this restaurant was awesome. Try the ribs. It's beautiful. Um, you know, and I had a coffee at the end of it and everything was beautiful. But it's easy for me to walk out of a restaurant, you know, angry and going, I didn't get good service. Uh, the food was mediocre. And you know what? Now I'm going to jump on Google and I'm going to leave them a review. I mean, look at, look, look at people's reviews online. You know, there's very few of them that's good. You don't, you don't get good feedback from angry people. You get good feedback from people who are satisfied and know what they want and are willing to take that extra step to give you that feedback. So it's important for us to, you know, go look for feedback in the right places, um, but also figure out why, you know, our customers, what would delight our customers, not just satisfy them, what would delight them, you know, aim for the stars, reach the moon and everything's cool. But at the end of the day, you know, you want to produce the best for your customer and you'd be surprised sometimes it actually costs you less to do that with good processes, good systems, good service to produce that ultimate product for your customer and then you know you've got a customer base that trusts you and they'll definitely come back and you know talk about you to their to their people and word of mouth is you know one of your best best ways of getting your name out there mm -hmm. now talking of customer <clears throat> is it possible that somebody probably uh, haven't understood that the, the the business ecosystem have changed that it's not just about producing goods and putting it out there that it's not about service. It's not, because if you treat your customer well, then this customer is going to come back. If you don't treat him well, you can still get the money that day, but you lose the customer, meaning you are, you are gradually losing your business. So I don't know if there is this concern, people are really aware of it, at least based on your experience again. Well, I, I mean, I, I keep smiling because people, uh, you know, people are funny things. They. Um, you know, they'll focus on what they think they should focus. But um, at the end of the day, you know, cost is only one of your metrics. So we should be looking at a balanced metrics at, at the start of it. So I can I can spend, you know, the rest of my life perfecting the exact same thing that I think is going to be the highest quality, the best, you know, product for my customer. And it's going to cost me an arm and a leg. But if I cannot produce a profit out of that, then what's the point of it? The the point of any business out there, even not for profits, you know, at, even a you know, a, I, I always say even you know a a charity, 
you know, at the end of the day, their, their goal is to be profitable. Otherwise, they would not exist. Even if they, you know, they, they survive on, you know, um, donations, people supporting them from outside, that's still money, that's still resources that needs to come in. So how do I get those resources? How do I make the most out of it? But how do I stay profitable? And that's, that to me is the key to the game. It's like admitting to the fact that, listen, if we don't put our product out at a good cost and we make a profit margin of, let's say, 20% to 30%, our business will not be sustainable for the next 10 years. We might make a you know quick sale here and there, but at the end of the day, we really need to focus on what's our vision and how do we get to that vision. And that's where I think these days it seems like people have forgotten that in general where it's very close-minded and it's very short-term focused. And you ask people, so where do you want to be in five years? You know, like they used to do in the 70s and people just, 70s and people just look at you and they go, well, wherever I'm going to be. But the challenge for business is to formulate that through great leadership and saying, look, this is where we want to be. We want to be the number one, you know, we want to have a podium in Formula One at Monaco during the 2024 season, and this is what we're working towards. That's where people get direction, they get, okay, well, you know, they get a timeline, they get they get support, and they, they get to the place where they feel like they can achieve anything. And, you know, that's the fun part, that's where people start enjoying what they're doing, they come to work because they want to be there, not because the wife chased them out of the house. Um, you know, people, people give so much more than what you think they would when they are, when they've bought in, when they're in there and they think that I'm really making a difference. And they feel that and they get, and that gets celebrated at the end of the day. Not by Pizza Fridays, you know, a, a suggestion box on the wall, um, but really celebrated as a person and for what they, you know, what they've contributed to, to that success. Um, a lot of it these days are all about, you know, let's just get there and then we'll move on to the next step. It's like, no, but what is the next step? Let's break it down into smaller chunks. Um, we don't try and, you know, achieve everything at the same time. But, you know, let's work towards a goal. Let's not just run around the field, kick the ball to each other and hope we get a goal. Because all this thing, of course, is tied to a leadership. Uh, of course, we're looking at business. What do you think people should look out for, for a good business leader? What should we look out for? Um, yeah, good, good leadership. That necessarily goes along with good looks. Um, just want to put that out there. Um, look, for me, a good leader is someone that... Sorry, what do you mean good look? You mean like a kind of a physical look or the dressy? Help me clarify that before. Physical looks, um, you know, I mean, there's a lot to say for the way that I dress, the way that I present myself, obviously, but at the end of the day, that's not going to count a thing if, 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 I don't, if I'm not good at setting direction, if I'm not good at getting people on my side, um, if I'm not good at, you know, expressing myself towards my team and my people and making sure that they understand, you know, to the last millimeter this is what I need from you in order for us to be successful. Um, to me, to look at, you know, look out for, for good leaders. There's so many people, you know, so many leaders or, you know, um, let's say people with, um, you know, uh, 
I want to say this in a nice way. Um, people with a lot of resources that get a lot of focus from the media. Um, people that are out there, you know, the, living the life, uh, philanthropy, all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't necessarily make them a good leader. It just means that they've got a lot of resources. And a lot of those resources is debt. And a lot of that debt is more than what you and I have, which is great. But at the end of the day, a good leader is someone that, in my opinion, can bring people along for the ride. Um, knows and understand what the what the true goal is. And at the end of the day, you know, is is willing to verify with people that we are on the right track. They don't have to run ahead. They don't have to, you know, know everything. I mean, in fact, the, the best leaders I've seen is, you know, leaders that come out of different industries and take the risk and move into a different industry. They don't necessarily know all the details of the industry, but they do understand people. They do understand that they need people around them and good systems and good processes that are, you know, streamlined, that are, that are effective to, to be successful. Um, you know, um, I've, I always use one of my, one of my, uh, one of my friends as a good example. He knows how to, you know, how, he knows how to set out expectations of people, but he also sits people down in his team and he says, well, what do you expect from me? Let's make this work both ways, not just one way. It's not a one way street. It's this like, okay, well, I, I expect you to do this, but what do you expect from me to, to be able to success, to be successful? And that's what we make part of our service level agreements between people, between departments, um, is okay, you know, on Friday at four o'clock, I expect a report of the week on my desk. Okay, cool. How are we going to do that? Is it even possible to get those numbers? You know, it's there. But then what do you expect from me to be able to give me that report on a, on a Friday? How do I support you in us achieving together? That to me is very important. I think a lot of a lot of time people look at leaders and they think that you know they got into a leader, leadership position because they they're a great leader and they know what they're doing. Like I said at the start, most of the time people end up in leadership positions because they're good at what they did at that time. But then for them to move on, they need a new skill set. They need new support. They need you know, direction. They need, you know, a lot of stuff to make them successful. You don't just put someone in a leadership position and then go, okay, bye-bye, see you on Friday. Let me know what you've achieved. It's more around, um, you know, how do these people interact and how do they bring the team, the business along for the ride? And you can see when, when, a, when a leader like that leaves a business, you can see the impact that person had on the business if someone steps in their shoes that that's not quite as capable as them. Um, I always find it interesting that, you know, legacies are part of what people want to leave. You know, every leader out there usually wants people to be talking about them and saying, wow, this guy knows what he's doing or this girl is excellent at what she does. Um, she knows how to, you know, do a flip chart. She knows how to do a presentation. She knows how to work um, PowerPoint. But at the end of the day, none of that matters if people aren't coming along for the ride and they're not enjoying the ride. Thank you for that. All right. Now, let's look at a leader, um, somebody who want to be like you now, or maybe want to grow up in leadership position. 
Yeah. Where do you think this individual should start from, and what should he concentrate? What should he or she concentrate on? I think I think leadership is tricky, especially when you're young. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of youngsters think that you know we, and you see this specifically in the cannabis industry globally. You know, um, a lot of a lot of people that's operated in the in the black market, all of a sudden they they're operating in the white market, the legal market. Um, but they they don't really know what to do. They too scared to hand off you know certain tasks to to purpose to people that can do it better. Um, and you know it's it's a question for me with with new leaders, up and coming leaders, or someone that wants to be in a leadership position is get to know yourself, know your strengths, know your weaknesses, know where you need to where you need support. Understand that you know you are not the the one and only person out there that can do this job, but respect what you got to do and respect yourself for doing it. Um, for me, with young leaders and <laughs> something I've learned with myself over the years, don't be scared to ask stupid questions. It's like you know what? If you're not going to ask it, someone else should have, and no one still knows the answer. It's like. I'm not scared, man. I, I walk in, I ask stupid questions, and at the end of the day, I know that there's five people in the room that didn't know the answer either. Um, be humble in your approach. You know, um, don't think that you, you know, just because you you've got a job title that makes you better than other people. Um, I know these days, you know, a lot of people chase job titles. They move from one position to the next, and you know, as quickly as possible, you see, oh, hey. Someone's become an operational director, you know, for a health institution or whatever. And you go, well, that seems a bit quick, but, you know, good for them. I hope they they understand that, you know, there's a lot to it, not just, you know, the job title. Um, but, yeah, I do think there's, there's quite a lot of, you know, natural leaders that come up through the through the ranks. And whether or not they actually get into leadership positions or not, they choose not to sometimes. But, um, you know, natural leadership ability is something that also needs to be, you know, I, 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 um, I'll use the word coddled. It, it, needs to be, it needs to be looked after because people lose that when they don't feel supported. I mean, you can be a natural born leader. Me, myself, I was, you know, head boy at school. I was a prefect. I... You know, I've, I've always been leader, a leader in, in projects, in, you know, stuff, but I've never thought of myself as a leader until the day that I realized, oh, shit, I'm, I'm responsible for a whole group of people that if I don't lead them well, they may end up losing their job or they may end up not achieving what they want. And that may have financial implications to them. So ensure that you know your people, ensure that you understand yourself, and ensure that you know you know where you're going. You know what your target is. I mean, as long as you, as long as you got the light at the end of the tunnel, um, you might take a few, you know, <laughs> um, you know, stops to get to that point. But as long as you know your direction, I think you'll be fine. But never ever stop learning. The day that you stop learning is the day that you stagnate, and it's the day that you die. It's uh, that's my motto in life. You know, I, I, I put a lot of effort into reading, you know, books um, of all calendar, uh, of all genres. Um, one of my favorite books at the moment, well, for the last few years, I've read it like a few times, 
is a book called The Power of One by an author called Bryce Courtney. Um, it's a story of a South African boy, you know, and he grows up as an orphan and stuff. But the lessons learned along the way is something that really stands out. You know, you you got to be willing and able to learn and not not think that you, you know, you're above that. I think at the end of the day, you know, when it comes to servant leadership, when it comes to, you know, being a visionary, all that kind of stuff as a leader, I think a lot of people think that that means that you got to put everyone first before you, you know, get to eat at the table. But for me, if you don't know where you're going, your team doesn't know where you're going. So, you know, it's it's always important that uh, you know, that gets respected and that, you know, at the end of the day, people understand that, you know, they are there to do a, a certain job and they need to do it well. All right. Before in the explanation, I think towards the beginning of it, uh, you did make mention of um, internal and external leadership program referring to uh, your work in your company. Can you explain a yeah. bit what that means? For me, uh, really at the end of the day, um, you know, we do we do a lot of work with our company with um, people's goals and understanding what the goals are, um, you know, and moving forward with that. But um, sometimes you need to be able to take a step back. You need to, you know, just take a step back, look at the bigger picture and go, okay, well, how does it all come together? Um, you know, we, we've got we've to respect the fact that we've had a past, you know. Um, I always say to people, especially in organizations that have been around for a while, it's like we got to acknowledge what happened in the past. we got to respect that. But if we keep, keep living in the past, we'll always do what we did in the past. So... Respect the past, learn out of that, move forward and use your learnings to make sure that whatever happens going forward is better than the past. Um, that to me is quite important. You know, there's a, there's a lot to say about, you know, history is not always good. I mean, let's face it, there's a, there's a big push at the moment to just ignore what happened in history. But if it wasn't for history, we wouldn't be where we are today. <laughs> Thank so, you. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things that I I really enjoy having a chat with people, and they go, you know, oh no, we got to make up for our transgressions in the past and everything. I I agree with that, but do we have to do that permanently, or at some stage can we move forward and make a new a new history? You know what I mean? Because whatever we do today, tomorrow will be history. So um, it's always fun for me to be part of these discussions. And, um, you know, sometimes play a bit of devil's advocate and say, look, if we do things differently, what, what would be the outcome? Um, let's look at, you know, what other people have done. I mean, we call it stealing with pride. You know, we all talk about in the Six Sigma about Toyota and about Elon Musk and about Tesla and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But we never or we seldom talk about what we as a company have achieved and what we need to achieve next. It's like, um, if we don't know, if we don't know what's coming up, we don't have a vision, we don't have a target, we don't have goals. All I can say is good luck, mate. That's it. It's like, it, I think uh, uh, Edna Gia used to say that when you don't have a goal, when you don't have a specific direction in your life, it's like just starting a boat, jumping into a boat, I just started the engine and it's just rolling. It's just rolling. And just but go. at the point, the, the, the petrol yeah. is going to finish because you are going nowhere. <laughs> But then, but then you pull away and the rest of your team is not on the boat. And all of a sudden, you know, two hours later, you realize you're alone. 
And then, um, you know, I, I want to say this. I, I know around the world, a lot of people think that they are, you know, I'm, a, I'm an island. I can deal with things alone. I want to tell people that that's not, that's not true. I've had some experiences myself where you do need people around you. You need people that can support you. You need people that you can talk to. You need your tribe. You need your people that are on the same wavelength and on the same, you know, path as yourself. Otherwise, you know, you will find yourself alone and that's not usually a good place to be. And then you'll find the, those type of leaders usually move on pretty quickly just so they can go do that at a different place. Um, and I do think we, we need to spend a bit more time educating leaders on what effect they actually have on, you know, their team and an organization in general. And this goes for every single industry out there. All right, looking at leaders again, business leadership or leadership in business, because that is what we are concentrating on today. Yeah. Are there ways to measure their effectiveness? Uh, not a lot of leaders like that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, so, first of all, how do you, how do you know if someone was effective? And uh, you, are, you are the leadership coach here, so we're going to have to ask you. But anyway, if you were to ask me, maybe, for example, I have a project that I'm, I'm working on. Uh, yeah. And it, Perhaps it's going to be based on the result that I that I want from it. No, maybe for example, this interview I'm doing with you, the 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 effectiveness of, of it at the end of the day is that people are going to get more value from your contribution. And my job is to make sure that you deliver that contribution. That would be my own way of measuring this episode today. Exactly. So, so at at the end of the day, if I don't know what I'm trying to achieve, how do I measure my effectiveness? So, you know, our goal for today is to have a nice chat about leadership, you know, in general or business leadership, what type of styles, that kind of stuff. So we've got a clear goal. We've got a clear, you know, expectation out of this interview. And that will, you know, that will tell us were we successful for the day or did we just spend the last hour and a half just having a chat and a yarn and, and everyone's happy. And, you know, we just keep moving on with our lives. Um, for me, it's when leaders start thinking about their own self-effectiveness that is important. So, you know, being an effective leader doesn't mean that you have to make other people look bad so that you can look good. It's about making, making yourself look good through others by achieving your goals and targets set up. So my advice would be clarify goals, clarify roles, clarify expectations your own your own role your own um, you know goal and then spread that and make sure that every single person in the business is appreciative and they are they are engrossed in what you're trying to achieve um, we get a lot of we get a lot of um, businesses where people like to keep things secret you know we um, you don't know what my goals are. I don't know what your goals are. We don't know if we're going to achieve it because I might get a bigger bonus than you at the end of the year. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I always say to people, come on, man, we don't work at the FBI. Tell <laughs> each other what our goals are. Tell each other what are you trying to achieve. And at the end of the day, help each other become more effective. You know, be open with each other. Um, have feedback sessions. Have, you know, expectations of each other. And... Get that up on the wall. Use visual performance management. Use whatever whatever you have necessary to make people around you aware of my targets, my goals, and what I'm trying to achieve. 
because everything overlaps in a business. You seldom have someone on his own trying to achieve something. That that something that they're trying to achieve usually gets interwoven with other departments, other people, and you know, if we can all grow together, then we can all be successful together. So, you know, my 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 thing with leaders is be upfront, no secrets, um, keep pushing, and you know, work together with each other instead of against each other because um, we're not each other's competition. None of us get out of this alive. If we make this a success, all of us will be smiling and all of us will be happy. Very Thank simple. you so much for that. that that's very important. <laughs> no one makes this alive. <laughs> oh, look at this how it is. And, um, I've, got the, you know, I've got this thing on my wall where you know, everyone always says, oh, you only live once. It's like, you know, that, that's complete BS. We get to live every single day. We only die once. So we've got to make it count. You know, at the end of the day, if we have full lives and we've got full, you know, uh, personal life, work life, and we can, you, we can pull this all together. Um, man, it's, it's amazing. I've, and I've seen it happen. It's, it's absolutely a thrill to see people grow and move forward with their lives, both personally and at work. But you've got to be willing to put in the effort. And like we said, you've got to be humble in your exploration of, you know, what's happening. And, you know, praise people. Don't be scared of, you know, saying that your team is good. You know, it's <laughs> a lot of leaders are out there taking credit for what they've achieved. But um, another thing, there's, there's no such a thing as a self-made man or self-made woman. Every single person out there that's successful had someone that gave them a break that listened to them, that listened to their opportunity. You know, Bill Gates, he's not there because he made it himself. He got given an opportunity, people invested in him, and you know, it, it grew from there. So never ever think that you should be alone and that you should achieve all of this alone. But make sure you surround yourself with like-minded people and that your tribe knows where they're going. That is, that is a good advice, a, good, a very good advice. All right, now looking back to you as uh, Ryan. Yeah. Um, I want to believe that uh, according to you, to you, which I believe I find to be very interesting, that we all need each other. Mm -hmm. So looking around today within the business uh, ecosystem, uh, who would you say you are learning from? Who have you learned from that help you to grow in your level today as a leadership coach and, of course, organize your own businesses? Help me understand this. So, um, for me, it would be unfair to, to name just people. You know, for me, it's, um, there's been so many people that's come in and out of my life that's taught me, you know, a lot of different things about myself and about how do I become a better leader. That for me, it's all about their characteristics. So, you know, I've, I know, you know, leaders that are great with, um, you know, public speaking, but they're not necessarily great at one-on-one -on -one conversations. So, you know, being aware of your, of your shortcomings to me is, is a very big part of learning as a leader, but then working on those shortcomings, seeking out opportunities to, to use these, you know, your not so good um, characteristics and building on them. But also, you know, don't be scared to be pointed away. Um, for me, you know, there's been a few people in my life. I mean, there's, there's this one guy that I always refer to back in South Africa. Um, 
you know, Reddit. He, um, we used to have screaming one-on-ones, you know, telling each other how bad we are and what are we doing. And look, he, he had a major influence on my life. Um, his name is Patrick Rowley. Um, he's had a major influence on my life in the fact that, you know, he said to me at a stage, Rian, you can't just walk around you like a bear with a sore claw. You actually got to do something and bring people along for the ride. You can't always be, you know, unapproachable. You got to be approachable. Make yourself approachable. And that's where, to me, you know, sometimes it, it comes into play with, um, you know, the watermelon system. You know, <laughs> make people aware that they can come and talk to you and be approachable. Um, you know, when it comes to leaders out there these days, there's a lot of forceful leaders. There's a lot of, um, you know, talk, bad-mouthing each other, all that kind of stuff in public. But when you're at work, seek out a mentor. You know, make make sure that you seek out a mentor that actually goes with your style. Um, and, you know, that mentor doesn't need to be in the business. It can be outside of the business. It's actually good to have someone to talk to in both inside and internally and externally. And at the end of the day, you know, take what they give you, um, you know, uh, work on that and see if there's any, you know, anything that comes out of it. I, I think it's a saying that, you know, try everything and keep the good. At the end of the day, we got to find that good and then we got to roll with it. So, um, yeah, I mean, for me personally, you know, there's a lot of big names and stuff that I can name that's, you know, influenced my life or good leaders, you know, who I learned from, that kind of stuff. But I think if you don't go inside yourself and you look at yourself your self-development, um, then I think you've stagnated. And I think stagnation is a, is a bad place to be. Okay. But, but you personally, what do you really love? What do you like? What, what, um, what inspire you about leadership? I mean, I'm trying to understand what you really, what do you love about leadership? I love everything about leadership, mate. <laughs> so for me, Look, what I love about leadership is when you can see that light bulb go on. You can see someone, you know, getting what, you, what you're trying to get through to them. And then they understand, okay, well, this is what I need to do. Um, you know, for me with, with leadership is, um, you know, do people understand what the situation is all about? Their position. Do they understand that they influence everything around them? But for me, with leadership that I that I really enjoy is 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 when you can look back and you can see your team smiling and enjoying what they're, what they're doing every day. They come to you with problems, with external problems. I mean, I've had so many people come to me with you know, oh, problems with their wife and their kids and all that kind of stuff. And then you realize, but these people respect you. That's why they're talking about it. So you know, for me, it's all about you know. Enjoy what you're doing. I've seen a lot of leaders go, look, I'm not enjoying this anymore. I'm going back to the floor or I'm taking on a position where I can sit in an office. You know, be honest with yourself. Is, it, is this what I want to do? Yes or no. If it's not, then move into that direction. If it is, give it everything you got and roll with it. As simple as that. That's lovely. All right, Ria. Uh, you have courses out there, you have company that you are running, you have services that you are running, running out there, and we know that all these are important. We also value your time. So tell yes. people, how can they reach you? Uh, what do you have there that they can benefit from? Go okay. ahead. So, so babe, for us, um, it's pretty in, in, uh, pretty easy. We are on www.cancel.org. 
Um, we're available on LinkedIn, Facebook, Pinterest. Um, you know, my email is, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I, I actually love LinkedIn. Um, if I can ask people to keep the politics of LinkedIn, that'll be great. Um, but at the end of the day, cancel.org, we're everywhere. We're on, we're on YouTube. Um, yeah, we, we try and get as much information out there as possible within reason. Um, you know, but then we've, we've got our e-learning courses available that's internationally accredited, globally accredited. It's um, equivalent to a university degree when you do our green belt. Um, and that's at leansixsigma.academy. So we'll be launching a new website within the next couple of weeks with two new apps, one for Android, one for iOS. And I, you know, I really want people to get onto that. We've we've priced ourselves at a, at a good point. Um, it's modern materials. It's not about us. We in the corner somewhere. It's about the materials. We're all about getting people out there that can actually do the job. I've spent so much time getting into businesses where people go, well, I'm a green belt. I'm a black belt. And you go, okay, well, what's visual performance management? And they've got no idea. So what we do is we actually have facilitator guides, one-point lessons, you know, everything, a complete toolkit. And we've got leadership programs. So that's a, a good part with us. So, you know, when you're at a business and they go, we've got a Greenbelt project happening, and you go, okay, well, cool. Um, who's the sponsor for that? And they go, well, we've got Jimmy down here sponsoring it because he's, he's great at, um, you know, what he does. It's like, yeah, but has Jimmy been trained to actually lead a green belt? And 99% of the time with organizations, they have not. They've not been set up for success. So what we've done is we've created a blue belt certification that's called the sponsor and leadership, um, you know, initial leadership training. And that's also available on our website. Everything, all our training is 100% online. And we've got virtual coaches um, all around the world if you if you need some help with um, coaching. So, so that's our business. We're very passionate about it. I, I literally just wish every single person that I could get them onto our training and make sure that they you know are aware of what's happening and what their role is and how things can come together. And um, you'll get that all at cancel.org. Thank you so much for that. Now. Um... What would be your final statement here, considering that uh, we have talked about everything about leadership, no? And so, of course, around the, the basis of maybe what can be also a recommendation for you or how someone can become better in business leadership. Please go ahead and conclude it in your own way. Obey, my, my be-all and end-all at the moment is never take anything for granted, right? Um, your position, your, your status in the community, your role as a father or a mother or a leader or just a participant, never ever take it for granted. You have, an, you have the opportunity to influence something fundamental in life, use it. Don't be scared of it. If you're scared of it, let's talk about it. Let's bring people along for the ride. But take that chance and, you know, just, just go for it. Thank you so much. I love that. That is very important. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Well, like I said, man, I'm a, I'm a simple man and I'm a, I'm a simple person when it comes to this kind of stuff. So I don't like complicated stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss any of our future episodes. Rate our review overhead podcast. 
and share with your friends who might need it. Arimei Obehi Ewafo. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you in the next episode.